Before we get into this week's episode, I wanted to remind you that my short story is available for free at johntilton.com. If you sign up for my newsletter, I'll send you both the ebook and audiobook of Doomed Dune. In this middle grade adventure, a girl named Melina travels to a forbidden landmark guarded by tyrannical robots, but her life turns upside down when she discovers the true reason it's off limits. Discover Doom Doom Secret by heading over to johntilton.com. That's J-O-N-T-I-L-T-O-N.com. Thanks again, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to Cause of Craft. I'm your host, John Tilton. Why do we create? Where do our ideas come from? What does our craft say about us? These are the ideas we explore here on the show. Each episode, I interview a different guest, from writers and painters to musicians and filmmakers. Together, we investigate the creative process and the reasons behind why we create. While we all love to make a million dollars on every passion project that pops into our heads, it's just not the reality we can expect as creatives. So, how do we find balance between doing what we love and crafting something that's marketable? Artist Joe Willie joins the show to share his thoughts on this topic. We also discussed connecting with clients, setting goals, and a big misconception about choosing a practical and safe career path. As always, if you enjoy this podcast, don't forget to share it with a friend. It really does help the show grow and reach more people. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy this conversation. Welcome to the show, Joe. It's great to talk with you. John, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Now, you're involved in a number of arts. Can you describe some of what you do? Well, sure. Well, I I am a painter, so I will paint landscapes. I am also an illustrator, which is similar, except now I'm working with my own and other people's work for books or magazines or posters, and I also write as well. So those are three things that I have found that I'm passionate about and I enjoy doing. And which one of those did you start with? You know, I'd have to say I started just as a painter or maybe you could say as a drawer. I, uh, I remember that as far back as my memory goes, and it is, I always had paper, pencils, crayons, paints. So I started at a young age. In fact, um, I'm often reminded by my family that my grandfather took me to a department store and said, you can, you can get anything you want. And after about a half an hour, I came back and all I wanted was paper and pencils. You would think most kids are gravitating to the toy aisle or something like that, but here you're wanting to, to get to work. Or Was that kind of your, your playtime? Did you, you know, have the traditional action figures that you were drawn to as well, or was it mostly this that you were drawn to? No, I had, I had plenty of those action figures that now I look back and every once in a while I think if I had just kept those in the box, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't just, I'd be a very wealthy person now um, because I think I had some of the highest priced toys um, that are now uh, collector's items. But no, there were plenty of that. I played sports, I played baseball, road bikes, but it always came back to drawing of some sort, of creating some sort of art, um, whether it was to just hang on the refrigerator or local art shows things like that. So when I take a look at your Instagram and your website, you almost work in these kind of series where you have a bunch of different birds that you're drawing or a bunch of different dog breeds. Right now, it looks like you're going through authors. How do you go about choosing the subject that you want to be working on? It's interesting because I think all of us do things naturally and it 
it seems really strange. You know, it's a very obvious question that you asked, but it seems strange to say, well, I thought it was time to do portraits of Russian novelists. Um, (laughs) I don't think anyone necessarily does that, but what ends up happening um, is I will be influenced by certain things maybe that I've seen or that I've read or that I've listened to. So the birds and dogs, and and in fact, it started um, a couple of years ago when everyone was you know, facing lockdowns and, and I think everyone's own backyard or their front yard became uh, a place of wonder. And so I would go out in the backyard and I'd start painting the tops of trees and started looking at landscapes a little differently. And I was just amazed at the beauty that was in the backyard that I took for granted. So um, that led to the birds that were in the trees or sitting on the fence. And so then I started thinking about other creatures and I like dogs. We have a dog and I started doing some portraits of dogs. And, and of course, I've always been interested in writers and in people. And so some of the recent work that I've done is, as I'd mentioned, these Russian novelists that are now on my site just because I had started reading some of their work and I said, you know, I'd, I'd like to do a portrait of that. So of, of that person. So it just moves from one direction to another, but as I'm living it, it seems very logical, although it may look odd to other people. So that's how you select something. But when you're ready to put that subject aside and work on the next series, is it because you've exhausted the dog breeds or, you know, did all the birds that you saw in your backyard? Or is it, do you just feel like creatively you need to move on or what prompts that? I think I probably get a little bored with a particular subject after a while and say, I have done this series of, of birds and as varied as they may be, I, now I'm interested in other things as well. So I will sometimes temporarily, cause I will go back to birds or go back to animals or people, but then something else catches my eye. Or as I'd said, I start to read something and I think, you know, it'd be a good idea to, to do this. And then sometimes too, John, it, it's motivated by what people are interested in, or especially in illustration, the cold hard facts of life or what will sell. Uh, do people look for portraits of animals to use for spot illustrations? Yeah, but more often they look for portraits. And so there will be a, a magazine article that maybe focuses on, well, I'll just say Tolstoy. And someone may say there's a review of War and Peace or an article about it, we need a, a a portrait of Tolstoy. So that is a very saleable item. Interesting. Uh, and I wouldn't have expected that just thinking of things that might be sellable. I wouldn't think, oh, yeah, there's going to be the articles of, you know, the, the Russian authors that people want to write about. So do you research that? Or do you kind of think about what articles, like, how do you find the market for that? Well, I think in general, um, the Yes, the Russian novelist may not be the the first on the list of what everyone art directors are clamoring for, but it's in general the, the idea of a portrait. Um, so if you can do a portrait of a Russian novelist, you can do a portrait of you know a, a modern tech mogul. And it's it's really about exploring the style and saying, okay, if you want an illustration of a particular person, 
does my work fit the style you're looking for? I see. So it's it's more of positioning yourself to show someone that correct you can create what they want, even if they don't want that specific picture. Absolutely. Absolutely. Now, I remember a while back, you and I were talking about this concept and you had brought up at the time you were doing like a bunch of different meat. Uh, How do you do you remember that? And how did that kind of come about where you thought, oh, this would be something that that you might see? And at the time you're telling me like a a barbecue joint might, you know, want something. (laughs) Well, it's true. It's true. It's funny Um, what it is was me, that idea was me thinking and talking to my sons. I have four boys. And I said, what do you think? Do you think you can start a business from nothing? How how do you do that? And they were at a point where they were young and they uh, still are, but they were much younger. And I said, let's think of an idea and then let's see if there are ways that we can do this and not having any outlay of cash. And so what came out of that was an idea that people who were really into barbecue and into smoking, and you know, you have these real regional warfare going on when it comes to is barbecue pork barbecue, is barbecue brisket, is barbecue, does it have mustard sauce? And it it's all through the United States. Uh, there are regions that say this is the way you barbecue. And so I said, well, if people are that crazy about barbecue, they would probably like some barbecue-inspired art. So that's where the idea came from. Now, you are right, because what happened was I sold a series. It was my, it was sort of the goal, and, and maybe it was even the swan song, because I sold a series of, I believe it was 12 or 13 illustrations of certain cuts of meat to a butcher shop in Minnesota. It was a very satisfying experience because that had been my goal. I said, I bet there are places who would want to hang something like this in their store. So there is at least one butcher shop in the United States that, yes, they have these original illustrations of different cuts of meat. And so that was, I, I, you know, I was able to tell my boys that you can do it. Um, what I also found was not everyone was as excited about hanging cuts of meat <laughs> in their house. And so they would they would rather spend the money on buying and eating the barbecue than hanging it up. So it's not that the idea doesn't work, but I did not make a million dollars from <laughs> from beef paintings. But you still made a sale and then selling the original art versus selling, you know, like a a print or something like that is also a more lucrative business to be in. How how much do you feel that having that goal that you set out with helps to make something happen? Like like how important is it to kind of set out when you start something to have that goal in mind? I think it's the difference between success and failure. The thing is, I'm not sure that you starting something, you may have a goal. I'm not sure the goal is going to remain the same. I think you start to see things a little more clearly. And so for me, it moved from saying, you know what, I'm going to do this to say, you know, I think I really should take illustration or painting the visual arts more seriously 
to say, instead of doing something that could, to some people, it may seem silly or it may seem kind of campy to do this. Um, I think it, it really broadened me to say, wait a second, what is a really good idea? And I had always wanted to illustrate. I had a, a background for 20 years in graphic design. And I always was a, a shadow illustrator. I just wanted to do that. So it gave me the goal and prompted me to say, wait, if I can do this on something that is just for kicks, then I should be more serious about it and start pitching ideas to magazines or books, or I should get more into the the real craft of illustration. And how much of finding someone to connect with that would need an illustrator is building that portfolio out and how much of it is reaching out to the people and making those personal connections. I think you you bring up a very good point in the age of digital media that there is a, at least it has been my case, there is a misconception, a myth that if you have a post that goes and you reach a certain number of people that there will be businesses and magazines beating down your door. And I, I, it, it's really, maybe it happens to some, and there may be some listeners now that say that's exactly what happened. But I have found that what you had said about building the portfolio. So as you start to work, you have to create jobs for yourself to illustrate, which I still do. And I think there are personal pieces that illustrators and artists, they do just for the satisfaction of doing it. But when you put it on a website and then you approach someone and say, look what I do, it has a dual purpose. And then that second hand is, yes, you have to reach out to people. But what I have found is, like I said, in this very digital age, I have had much greater success sending a direct email and asking to work with someone or if they need help or making a phone call than I have where someone finds me and says, oh, here's a bag of money. We'd like to work with you. That that hasn't been my experience, although I have connected with people on social media. But it, it has been much more, to your point, my work to get to those people. I think a lot of that, too, is because social media, the way it comes across is that you see someone in that height of success. And so it's hard to tell how many people are, you know, just their work connects with a really broad amount of people. So that's why the post goes viral. There might be some of that going on. There also might be some of, oh, well, this person was, like you said, contacting people directly, making those little connections and then building their business slowly over the course of 10 years. And then they had, you know, a viral post somewhere in the midst of that. And, and so, but to the viewer who's scrolling through stuff, it just comes across like, oh, there's all of these overnight successes. Mm. Um, I, I forget where this quote is from. Uh, I wish I knew, but, but there's something there, someone has a quote that's something like it takes 10 years to get your overnight success. You know? <laughs> so it's, yes. it's, uh, it's, it can, it can appear to people that something grows really quickly when really you've been working kind of with your head down behind the scenes for a long time, just chipping away and improving your craft and moving towards what your goals are. You know, I think you, you really hit on something. And even the title of your podcast 
is, I think, an indicator of something that is often forgotten. And I know for myself this, um, I had said that, you know, I spent a lot of years as a designer and I really wanted to illustrate. Um, I just recently told someone that, you know, often people do plan A and plan B. And what I have learned, so my background, I went to art school, I went to the Maryland Institute College of Art. And I said, what is the safest way I can graduate and get a job? You know, what is, is there anything foolproof? What's the best way? And what I found is this, is that that was sort of plan B. Um, it's not that I didn't enjoy design or I still don't enjoy design and other things I do. It's just that I had, I had a longing to do something else. And here's the, the, the truth of it is that plan A or plan B both take a lot of work you don't get out of the work. And so as I look back over my life, I sometimes wonder, and I think about with my sons, I think you should go for plan A. Maybe maybe that's really what you should do instead of saying, I, let me play it a little safer because it's going to be hard work either way. And part of that hard work is developing the craft of what you do. So for me, it took me a little longer and I'm a little older to get into some of the things I'm getting into because I had taken time to really try and develop my craft. And recently I was talking to another illustrator and it was, boy, it was, it was a great thing to hear him say. He said, I like your work. It's so consistent. That is now maybe someone would say, yes, it's consistent. I don't like it. And it's, I consistently don't <laughs> like it, but, but what he did hit on was the fact that I have worked hard and I've had people, my wife is one great influence, although she isn't a visual artist. She kept telling me, you know, you do this really well. Why don't you do that? And I would say, no, no, I want to do this. And I would work in different mediums. And finally, one day I listened to her which is, was wise. And I never looked back because what happened was it, it fit. So the ink and then the watercolor, it, it's me. It just fits. And so that's where the consistency come from. But it took me a number of years to get there, to have the confidence to say, I don't care if I'm influenced by someone else's work. This is me. Yeah. And I think that's something that people are always artists and creatives are always trying to figure out what their voice is because you know you can talk in a lot of different voices and maybe you can do good impressionists of different voices but there's something that's very important about having your own unique voice and i don't know the importance of having that immediately but i do know it's important to at least be aiming to develop one i think you're right i think it happens or it should happen if you do something enough you will do it the way you do it you can't help it and it's when you fight it and for me it was certainly years of fighting it and experimenting and probably it's the experimenting I should have done in my early 20s but that experimenting is really crucial to say this is how I do it and it's an important step on any creative journey or any, really any journey, whether you're a, a bookkeeper, whether you're a football coach or whether you're a visual artist. And how did you sort of navigate finding your style and, and balancing, you know, what is just good, 
technique that you should always be using and where to kind of break away and have what fits with what you know you're describing it it's like that's you that's how you do it is it something that you can even describe or is it a process that you can even describe yeah yes it's um it's really painful in a in a way it's it sounds strange to say that but what would happen is i think like a lot of people whether especially creatives um and people who consider themselves in the creative field our eyes and our ears are open and considering different ideas. What is influential? Oh, I like that, or I, I'm considering this. And so it is a, a very easy to fall into trap to say, oh, I like this person's work. I'm going to try that. Now, part of it is you're going through someone's style to find your own. But for me, I just really struggled with saying, I'm going to give up looking for the stuff. I'm just going to do it. I'm going to, my mind's going to be blank. I'm just going to do it the way I do it and be comfortable with that. So as I'd said earlier, my wife, I've heard this from really a lot of people that you have someone that is dear to you, who knows you, they're on your side as she's on mine and they tell you something and it's the truth and you don't want to believe them. And when you finally say, okay, what do you think about this? You end up discovering that it was there all along. And that's, that was my case. She was influential. So we talked about how you choose different subjects. We're talking about how you find your voice and develop your voice. When it comes time to like hit moments where you're wanting to do a lot of personal growth in your craft, how do you go about choosing maybe a new challenge to do a, a technique you never tried or something that might just be slightly out of reach of what you feel comfortable with illustrating or painting? Hmm. Well, one thing I do constantly is self-editing in the sense of I, I work often in sketchbooks, in journals, and so I work out ideas. In fact, most of my Instagram feed is uh, from my sketchbooks, and it's, a, it's an opportunity for me to to get something down and then say, what did I do right? What did I do wrong? And so the, I have a pretty loose style and that is something that the biggest challenge I have, this might sound odd, is to not get too tight and make it too precious. I want something to look like, really, it is a sketch. And it is so, this is so counterintuitive. It is so hard to make something look like you don't care. <laughs> <laughs> well, and it's, it's interesting because it's interesting you describe it like that, because to me, when I look at your work, clearly there's so much care in it. And so how much of that do you think is you having some sort of stylistic part of it? And how much of that is to you, there's always, you know, because for the artists, it's like, there's always something like for my books or whatever. It's like, well, I could edit to draft like 3081 and still have things that I want to do, but I'm going to be sick of it. I'm not going to want to be a writer anymore. You know, I'm going to hate that book. Yes. So <laughs> again, we were talking about balance before. It's like, so it's kind of finding that balance, but also how much of that way that you're describing it, do you feel is because it's, you're looking at your own work. Yes, it's a you said a lot when you say looking at your own work because I know whenever I start something and I don't care what it is there's something that I have in my mind's eye 
that I think this is going to look like this. And it never does. It can be close, but you see the imperfections, you see the problems. And, and I think it's just, you have to discipline yourself to know that you're not perfect or that your creative vision isn't necessarily going to be able to be executed. And, but see, what's interesting is, and you had hit on this, that when you look at other people's work, you don't know what they think about it. You don't know the mistakes that they say, oh, I shouldn't have done that. We look at it, someone else's work, and we think, I really, I love this. This is fantastic. You're, you're wonderful. And they say, do you know what I really wanted to achieve with that and how far short I fell? Yeah. <laughs> So that's a big, that is a, a big thing. I think cutting yourself a break um, and just and to keep, keep going, to keep creating and not say, since it didn't turn out like I thought it would, I have to stop. Now on your Instagram, I've noticed that you've posted a few images from, or I don't know if these are from this book that you're working on or if they're sketches, but you're, you're working on an illustrated book. Can you talk a little bit more about where the idea of that came from and what sort of project that is? Oh, sure. That is, in fact, what's great. And with an illustrated book, John, it's funny because your idea of a manuscript and my idea of a manuscript may may be very different just because of word count when you're you're doing an illustrated book project. But this illustrated book is something that I started. And as I had said, my, my wife and I work together, although she doesn't consider herself, she would really blanch at the idea of considering herself a creative, but she really is. And so we have worked in tandem on a project that was inspired. And the general idea is that there are often people who think they cannot offer what is needed at the time. They don't have the gifts. They don't have strength. They don't have wealth. But it is surprising what a person of character can do in light of difficult circumstances to inspire others around them. So this is a book, an illustrated book that is, uh, is the setting is the very beginning of the Blitz in London in September of 1940. And it is about a, a woman, as I just described, who has nothing to offer except one thing she remembers. And that one thing ends up inspiring people to not give up. So that is just something that, you know, as my wife and I have worked on it, it's, it's been a fun project. I am here with it. The, the, the manuscript, the words are done. I have sample illustrations that are done. I am working on finalizing just the storyboard, and then I we are going to send it to publishers. And my goal is to get through, get all the rejection letters out of our system, and, and then get this published. But really, I, I I do believe that there are three or four other projects that we have that are in pieces that we, after polishing this one. Uh, we're working on. And some were from a few years ago, but there are some other ideas that we have. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to it. I had done some, um, there was another book project. I, and you talk about style earlier. There was another book project that I was involved in. I did the cover art and inside illustrations for it, but I don't have it on my website because it was my, my old style. It, it just, it doesn't fit now. So 
I love the publishing industry. I just, we love books in our home. We have, I think, six of those IKEA bookcases that are in the living room that are going around the walls. And those bookcases are filled. So that's been a big part of my life and uh, our family's life. So it's, it's great to be part of, you know, the, the great conversation. So there's the other ideas that you're mentioning that you have, are those also books or are they completely different types of projects? No, they, that's just book projects. I keep a journal with list of project ideas. Sometimes they are, they're ones that I think, you know, there's, there's real merit here. And then others that I think, no, this is just sort of a vanity project and it's not real. I can't see anyone would particularly want this, but it may be the idea that after you publish five or six books, you may might resuscitate that and say, what do you think about this one? And maybe someone will go for it. So when you have that list of ideas, whether it be completely different projects or even like if you have a series of, if you have a list of like 10 different books and you talked about how when you relook at it later, it might be an idea that's, oh, that wasn't as good as when I first wrote it down or that's not sticking with me. Do you have like a, a waiting time period for that list until you start <laughs> pursuing something like to give it that time test or or like when you have two different ideas that feel like, oh, wow, those are both worth pursuing. How do you kind of come up with the order of what to tackle next? Um, I think I start, and you might do this too, I'll start with a draft. And one of the drafts usually will start to seem like you have the concept together and it flows more. And that's so with these, because there was another I was working on that is um, again, about a particular person. It's someone I know that invented a device that can be taken into just remote parts of the world and very simply create prescription eyeglasses. There's something I want to uh, write about that person, but this particular book that I'm t talking about, about the Blitz in 1940, that just honestly started, I made more headway on that than the other. And so it just seemed that that was the one to go with because it uh, it it was um, it was coming together faster. Yeah, you feel like the ideas are are there and everything starts connecting, and all of a sudden the project is doing itself. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I've had that experience with certain things, and but it's funny too because at some point too, there comes a time, and I'm not sure if you feel this in like your like your sketches and illustrations and paintings. I, I'm assuming you would feel like this in the book just because I feel like this in the book. But there's a certain point, especially with a longer project, where it starts to get like that initial excitement wears off. You kind of have everything you need to do and then you just need to buckle down and do the work. And I find without fail during this time period, the other idea will start to sound like amazing and way better than the current thing that I'm working on. So I don't yeah. know, I don't know if you have this too and how you determine if what you're currently working on is still worth pursuing and how to like kind of get yourself to follow through instead of have a bunch of half-started projects on your plate. The the next project is project is always the one. The next project is always the one that you should be working on. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that's, that's what I have found. It, um, 
Yeah, I, I guess it's human nature. I guess it's just the idea that, so here's when it's fun. It's fun when my wife and I are sitting down and we're drinking a cup of tea and I say, what do you think about this idea? And we start talking about it and we think, oh my goodness, this is a bestseller. This is going to be the best illustrated book. <laughs> Everyone's going to recognize it because we feel that way because it has taken no work. <laughs> and so we can have this glowing idea that it's going to be great. And then you get into it and you say, do I, do I really want to work this hard on this idea? Or do, is, you know, should I just do it? It's a good idea, but I just don't like the work. So, so yeah, it's funny. And it happens in, um, it happens in, in anything I, and that's where I have gravitated to a very loose style, fast style and sketchy, sketchy idea because I can do them faster. And for me, my temperament, I need to work quickly to keep it interesting. Yeah. One thing I'm trying to work on is increasing my pace kind of without losing the quality. And what I'm finding is exactly what you're saying where it's like, okay, well, if you can get that first draft done quickly, then you can assess it. You can give it time away and work on a different project, come back to it, feel reinvigorated and be able to see if it's worth continuing. Um, but it was, especially in that learning process, it was difficult because, you know, I was spending years working on my first book and then it's like not up to where it needs to be. And I would like to revisit it at some point in the future, but my current goal now is just getting faster at doing the first drafts and just drafts in general and becoming more efficient. But again, it's difficult because you also don't want to lose, like creativity is not like, um, it's uh, not really an assembly line type of thing. It's some of that is probably there. Like you want to have efficiency and that's how you can produce more of what you need to do. But you also always have to keep things like you were saying, like loose and like you have to have that creative spark in it or else it saps the the emotion or the joy or you know whatever's inside your work if you become too rigid i feel like there's a big risk if not a guarantee that that goes away i, I absolutely think you're right and anything can become drudgery and i think there is this the creative myth is that i don't care what you do as a creative person that it is you sit around and suddenly creativity strikes you, you're inspired, and then you create magnificent works of art, or certain people did throughout history. And I have found, because I'm just a normal person, I'm not a genius, perhaps it's that way for genius, but I found that it's just hard work. And no one really wants to think about it like that, that it is hard work to go and um, pour cement for a sidewalk and it's hard work to grant it. It's different, but it's still hard work to write. It's hard work to draw, to paint, to illustrate. And if you remember that it's hard work and you work hard at it, I think you will create things that are good. It's just that it's, you have to figure out ways to work with your temperament and to keep it fresh. So it's enjoyable. 
Well, thanks so much, Joe. I think that's a great note to end on. Can you tell everyone where we can find your website and your Instagram and hear about your upcoming book and the other projects that you're working on? Well, sure. You can visit. It's joewilly.net, and that's Joe, J-O-E, Willie, W-I-L-L-E-Y, dot net. And you can also find me on Instagram at joewillycreative. Great. And we will have links to all of that in the show notes. Uh, thanks again, Joe. It was great talking with you. Thanks. It's It's been a lot of fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause of Craft. If you want to hear more conversation about books, art, and the business of creativity, check out episode 28 with artist Haley DeRocher, who illustrates classic novels. Or if you'd like to hear from an artist of a completely different craft, try episode 20 with pianist Jeff Dershin, who shares how he connects with his audience through music. If you like this podcast, please consider sharing with a friend and leaving a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Those two things really do help the show grow. And if you have feedback, suggestions, or guest recommendations, send me an email at john at causeofcraft.com. That's J-O-N at causeofcraft.com. Thanks again for listening and see you next week.